Hello and welcome to a fresh episode of the Wildcat Offense brought to you by me, your host Wes Ibarra of Offsea Sport. Before we get into tonight's episode, I want to thank you for joining me on a Monday night. Hope your weekend was very restful and also very joyous as we're about to talk about it in a couple seconds time. But before we get into it, I want to thank each and every one of you for the likes, the ratings, the reviews, the follows. It means so much to me. It means so much to the project. And it keeps me motivated to keep making pieces like this for you guys. More content, more shows, more ideas. Because of you guys, it keeps me sharp. It keeps me happy to try and keep this up. Um, feel free to share the podcast with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that is down to join the Sports Talk conversation. I'm available on most podcast platforms. And Offsea Sport is spelled O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Okay. To quote Drake here, Oh man, oh man, oh man. Not again. The Cats went back-to-back at home against the Purdue Boilermakers, taking the 92-88 to overtime win against the number one Purdue Boilermakers, taking them off their number one spot, taking away their undefeated start to the year, and the Cats get that first statement win, or at least that new statement win, right? I guess you can say that going into Friday night's game, the um, statement win was against Dayton, that is all wiped away now. They basically won the biggest game of their lives this year against that team, that number one team with the best player in all of college basketball, arguably. And they did it at home in front of their faithful and allowed the kids to storm the court. And two years in a row that the Cats beat them at home. And there's a possible play to beat them twice so that will happen, or it's possible that it can happen in back-to-back years where the Cats beat Purdue twice. And my goodness, oh my, you can't make this up. Prior to last year, the Cats were 0 for the century, pretty much, against teams that were number one in the country. That win brought them to 1-16, and I believe. Now it's 2-16. and Practically against the same team, same coach, what have you, same system. And man, those those guys played the game of their lives. 92 to 88 Cats win. And now that we're breaking down into it, what I loved about reminiscing about this game is that it wasn't like the first time they played at Welsh Ryan Arena where it was a full-on defensive struggle right i believe it was like a 60 like a low 60s high 50s type game if i don't remember i don't remember the score off the top of my head but it was way less than what they scored on friday night right and if you remember my prediction on the recap or not the recap i'm sorry the preview show i said 72 to 69 wildcats i have all the faith in this wildcat team to beat anyone Right. This is a tournament team, no matter how you want to slice it. And this team is way too good, way too experienced, and way too cohesive to just bend over for a team like that. Right. And I like the fact that in this rendition of Cats versus Purdue, both teams scored more points. It wasn't a full on 
let's play defense. You know, whoever can miss shots the least can win this game. Instead, it was a 92 to 88 performance in which it went to overtime. And I believe that is the most points scored by the Cats this year. And uh, probably, no, or maybe, yeah, I think Purdue has uh, this is their second most because I believe they put up a 90 spot in their last game uh, before playing the Cats. But my goodness, like, if we can reminisce about a performance, whether it's now, in the past, or later in the future, I think this one will be in the minds of most Northwestern fans, if not all. Because there is no way, right, that a team like Northwestern would play the number one team twice at home in back-to-back -back years and beat them both times. And both years, that team basically had the most dominant, or not dominant, but like basically the best player in the whole sport, you know, in both instances. Now, of course, I'm referring to Zach Eady, and he had one heck of a game. I will get into the numbers in a little bit. But, you know, the Cats came to play. They really came to play, especially the the guys on the smaller end, Boo Booey and uh, Ty Berry and Ryan Langborg. Like, those guys were really the ones that held it down for the Cats. Um, of course, uh, we didn't really neutralize Zach Eady, but we made we made the game more about more reliant on Zach Eady than perhaps the other guys around him on that team, which means that, you know, the guards did a really good job of pretty much uh, guarding up their matchups and, again, making Eady do most, if not all, of the work. Um, it was pretty close, pretty much all the way, right? So at the half, Purdue was leading 40-32. to 32. That's not a surprise there. Uh, the Cats did win the second half, 44-36, to 36, and the last sequence was pretty crazy. Bowie did hit a shot to make the Cats up ahead, uh, but it just so happens that Zach Eady came by to save the day for the Boilermakers, and that sent the game to overtime. Um, so at that point, it was 76-76, but luckily the Cats had just a little bit more, scoring 16 to Purdue's 12 in the overtime period and outlasting the Purdue Boilermakers 92-88. to Everyone gets to storm the court, and, you know, the number one team in the country loses their number one almost immediately after getting it, right? Pretty much a storybook ending for a storybook team. Um, and it really is a convincing game for the fan base, I think, because, I mean, I've always been sold on this team, but now I really think that this th team is the real deal. And I think you should too. I mean, I talked with friends and family that went to other Big Ten schools, like an Iowa, like Illinois, Michigan State, and they brought up this performance as like, oh, like a oh-ish type of um, answer, right? Or, you know, we can curse on this podcast. Oh, shit, right? Like, this team is actually good. It wasn't a one-hit wonder, and... This team can be scary for the rest of the year and into the tournament should they qualify. And there's no doubt in my mind that 
this team will qualify for the NCAA tournament. I mean, with that kind of win, and you can play that type of team, play them hard. I mean, of course, you know, you have to wait till you got to go down to West Lafayette to play them in, in their home court. But this is a great start, especially when it felt like the scheduling was unfair uh, to the extent of you get the number one team in the country sandwiched in the middle of your um, non-conference schedule. And now you got to go back to playing non-conference after that. So, I mean, you got to ride this high for the rest of the non-conference season and into Big Ten play because it feels good to go into those remaining games 1-0 against your conference, against the best team in America, and you're going to be playing teams that are, you know, no disrespect, but lesser than Purdue. And now, you, But you cannot get complacent and feel that you're on top of the world now that you beat the number one team. So that's one thing to look out for, and we'll talk about that in the uh, in the team that the Cats will be playing up next. But let's go into the numbers a little bit. So looking at stats here, Zach Eady was the man of the night for the Boilermakers. 35 points, 10 for 17 from the field, 15 for 20 from the line, 14 rebounds, and three blocks. Uh, the next leading scorer was Lawyer with 17 points in 34 minutes, 5 for 8 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3 uh, with 3 rebounds and um, 1 assist. The other two players that I said the catch should look out for, Smith and Jones, 12 and 10 points respectively. So uh, the guards did a really good job of locking up their guards despite having them play very comparable minutes to their guy, Zach Eady. Uh, the highest contributor off the bench was Gillis, four points in 29 minutes, and he had six rebounds to his name. Now for the Cats, Boo Booey, fearless leader, led the way with 43 minutes, 31 points, 10 for 20 from the field, 2 for 5 from 3, 9 for 10 from the line. Look at that, a 90% shooting night from the line. Free points, that's nine free points for the Cats right there. Four rebounds, nine assists, two steals. Ty Berry, 21 points in 35 minutes of play, 7 for 11 from the field, 3 for 5 from 3, 4 for 4 from the line. There you go. Two rebounds, four assists, one steal. Langborg, 42 minutes, 20 points. That's his highest point total in a Wildcat uniform. 7 for 13 from the field, 4 for 5 from 3, 2 for 4 from the line. So mediocre there, but four rebounds, two assists, and one steal. Brooks Barnheiser, 8 points. Uh, five rebounds, two assists, one steal. And the leading contributor off the bench was Hunger with six points in 14 minutes of play. Five rebounds, two assists, though he did have foul trouble with five fouls. Him and Nicholson in foul trouble with five. So the big three really stepped up tonight, or I should say Friday night, in Bowie, Barry, and Langborg, right? Those three guys bring a lot of experience and pretty much can be the tone setters for the Wildcats on any given night. More boo-booey than anything, right? Because he has been around just about forever. Um, it feels like he's been with the team for like 10 years. But um, because, like I said in the preview show, because guys like Bowie, Barry, Barnheiser, Nicholson have seen these guys before, they know a thing or two of how to play them. And not only did they play them, you know, defensively, right? Uh, it seems like everybody got a steal on the starting five, yes. And Bowie had two, and Preston had two off the bench. 
but they scored against them as well. Uh, so instead of that low scoring effort, right, everyone's happy, right? Because everyone's scoring. In this case, it was Bowie, Barry, and Langbori leading the scoring for the Cats. And when shots go in like that, you know, you can keep up pace. Chances are you have a fighting shot at upsetting any given team in basketball, uh, whether it's college or the pros, right? In this case, it was probably the biggest game of their lives to date playing the number one team. But I expected and needed a complete performance from everyone, particularly the front court, because Purdue front courts tend to be very, very strong. And it seems like Northwestern seemed to have the upper hand in that. Or not front courts, back courts. But front courts, I mean, looking back on it, Edie was going to do whatever he wants, right? He is the best player in college basketball for a reason. However, it is a team game. It is five on five, not one on one. So, of course, the Cats having three guys in double figures and having the players around them that played do just enough to help them out and uh, make life hard and bring that extra boost for the Cats. I mean, shoot. Of course, this team can now just play with just about anyone. Better than them or not better than them. I think this team should carry that moving forward. Um, that being said, I would love to know what you, the Wildcat Nation, think of this win. Now, is this going to be the one game that, uh, besides the Mississippi State game, right, that helps set the tone for the Cats? Could we see the Cats stringing off win after win after win, um, giving them a chance to be maybe a top three team in the Big Ten this year and perhaps a very high seed in the tournament? Or are we going to see a little bit more last year, you know, where we're winning, but you know, there's still a couple things here and there that the team might run into to where it kind of goes against their resume. But those key wins will still, you know, be a talking point when it comes to this basketball team. Let me know. But, you know, it's a good start to the week for Northwestern College basketball because those guys will not see the floor till Sunday. It's crazy, right? You play this non-conference schedule. You have a week off because it's Thanksgiving break. You play a mid-major team. They play you close, but you find a way to dispatch them. Then you're playing the number one team in the country later in the week. You beat them. You outlast them in overtime, which is probably most points, most um, points given up, and most minutes played, right? So those guys are obviously pretty exhausted because both teams were pretty much pushed to the limit at that point in time. And then now you have a eight-day layoff or seven-day layoff, and you play a team that is winless in Detroit Mercy. And, you know, that's no disrespect, right? I mean, it's the facts. They don't have a win yet to date, but, you know, you still got to play them. And... Uh, hopefully the cats don't get, like I mentioned earlier in the show, too complacent about this because it is pretty easy to get a big head when you beat someone of that 
of that quality in Purdue and then try and treat the winless team like they're the little brother, right? I've said time and time again throughout this point of the year that um, those teams that are on the lower end of the totem pole, they're going to try and go in there and play like they got nothing to lose, right? Because they're hungry to win, whether it's that first win, second win, or third win, right? Especially when they try to get as many wins as they can get because the expectations are not as high. Uh, so if I were the Cats, right, the whole team, players, coaches, managers, mascot, even, so Willie, <laughs> I would treat every opponent, and I know I've been saying this all the time, especially Detroit Mercy, as if we're playing Purdue again, right? Because they're going to come in there and play like they got nothing to lose. But, you know, I don't want to take away too much uh, for Friday because that's when we will preview that game. But um, this, what I'm trying to say is that this most recent game against the Boilermakers needs to be that tone setter, that benchmark, that this is the quality that the team has to play every night for the next two months. And um, it's crazy to think that uh, we're already eight games into the season, right? Because it's, I believe, uh, 30 games for uh, the NCAA. So, you know, we're pretty much like more or less 22, 23% done with the season already. It's so fast. It's kind of like when I was talking a couple weeks ago about how it's already been 12 weeks for Northwestern football. And, you know, it feels like we were just talking about week one. Uh, just yesterday, right? And it feels like we were just talking about the preseason game against McKendry, like, just last week, when really we were already eight games in. But great win by the Cats. Um, you know, this has to be that game that gives them an identity, gives them more motivation to do even better, because there's always going to be something that forces them to play higher. And, of course, you know, this is a, a game played by humans. You know, we always want more. And as if beating them wasn't enough, why not? Why not take the league by storm because of this, right? And be a team to be reckoned with, you know, for the rest of the year. But um, that's it on uh, the last matchup uh, against Purdue for the Cats. We're going to take a slight intermission, and uh, when we come back, we will talk about the bowl game that football has drawn for the bowl season. All right, welcome back to the Wildcat Offense, brought to you by me, Wesibara, at Offsea Sport. Uh, just a quick little thing before we sign off for tonight. Uh, once again, thank you for spending your Monday evening with me and uh, recapping the big win for basketball over Purdue Boilermakers. But the Football Cats got a bowl game, and they will be playing on December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. at the Las Vegas Bowl. And that game will be taking place at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders. Um, that is a uh, ABC game, so... Um, for those all around the country, they'll be able to watch that game. Uh, for us back here in the Chicagoland area, luckily we don't have to dig into any cable channels. That's on uh, the good old local station. 
and uh, it'll be a really interesting experience for uh, the team uh, just because they get to play in an NFL stadium right uh, just before the holidays so it looks like uh, regardless of the result win or lose um, hopefully it's a win uh, because you know we're playing with house money you know from a one-win team to a seven-win team uh, should be uh, should be enough time for players to rotate back and be away for a little bit for the Christmas break and then pick back up again whenever uh, practices resume. But it doesn't feel real that, you know, this uh, team is in a bowl game. I was hoping that the Cats would play like a slightly later in December bowl game just because of their record, but I get it. I mean, um, it's their first bowl berth in forever. And in a way, you can argue that this team is still a little bit unproven. It just so happens that they managed to steal wins from teams that are much better than them. Uh, and especially teams that are just, you know, that should have been in the position that they're in now. Uh, but, you know, it's a season that keeps on giving. And uh, it was just a lot of positives. It's almost, again, kind of like basketball with their win over Purdue, right? It's almost like a fairy tale story, right? The coach that everyone loves gets fired. You know, you have a new coach come in. Um, the last two years were dreadful. You got a pretty similar team. And the expectations were low again. And uh, next thing you know, the team is winning games despite having a really tough start. You know, losing the first game and not scoring any points. And then, you know, beating a non-conference team, then losing, and then, you know, swapping, somewhat swapping wins and losses and going on a run their last uh, few games of the year, with the exception of losing to Iowa at Wrigley. But, man, going on a huge winning streak like that, and then winning the Land of Lincoln trophy in enemy territory, right? Like, this team just overperforms so much, and you just can't help but be happy. But again, kind of like what I said in the basketball segment, we are human. We want more. And what better way to end 2023 for uh, Northwestern football and Northwestern athletics uh, for football to bring home a trophy, right? Uh, because, you know, we have a little bit of heartbreak with a couple other sports, but this would probably be the cherry on top for the um, Northwestern athletics uh, fan base. But um, yeah. You know, they'll be playing the Utah Utes, um, which looks to be statistically a very similar team. Of course, we'll do a preview much closer to the actual day of the game. But this past weekend was the judgment day for all the uh, bowl games. And I'm sure, you know, while we're still on the topic of bowl games, because uh, the college football playoff does have a Big Ten representative in Michigan, Everyone and anyone can argue however which way they want to talk about that. Me personally, I think the committee got it wrong, especially on the fourth team. Um, and, uh, you know, before anyone wants to be ahead of the, the gun and like calling me an Alabama hater, it's not that I'm an Alabama hater. I don't, I still genuinely don't believe that they deserve to get that last spot. Like, sure, they beat Georgia, but what makes them jump? four spots or whatever it was to overtake Florida State who actually beat 
their opponent in their title game too. Sure, it was it wasn't like a forty-two to nothing beatdown, but come on, right? And it's not like it's not like they've let teams or they haven't let teams with uh, third string quarterbacks before, right? Like, uh, wasn't Cardale Jones when Ohio State won it? Wasn't he a third string quarterback? Like, come on. I mean, this whole thing is just, you know, really all the way messed up. Or if you want to say it in a more colorful way, fucked up, right? Because, you know, everyone doesn't want to see a whoever was voted the number one versus the number two and have them play for the national title. But then when you get in the playoffs, you know, which is what everyone thinks is the solution, then people get shut out because people argue that this team had a better resume than this one. And then you call for expansion and then now there's an idea of expansion, right? And then now everyone then argues, oh, but then the quality of the tournament is going to go down. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, but you, don't, but you don't seem to have that problem in FCS or, you know, not to be switching sports, you don't seem to have that problem in basketball, right? Or a team that probably was you know, 500 or something like that. They just get hot when their conference tournament and all of a sudden they're in the NCAA tournament as a 16 seed, right? So, you know, I mean, it is what it is, though. But for the sake of our show, the Cats are in a bold game. It's great to see. It's in a time and place where everyone can get to watch and hopefully, you know we get our Christmas wish list of Northwestern winning a bowl game. And uh, that would be huge. That would be huge. That would be nice to have that trophy next to the Land of Lincoln hat and have a new uh, plaque up in Ryan Field uh, to indicate a uh, another bowl win for the Wildcats and hopefully a new beginning for perhaps a successful era and consistently successful era of Northwestern Cats football. But uh, thank you again for joining me tonight. Um, once again, feel free to share the show, or not not just feel free, but definitely share the show with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that is down to join the sports talk conversation. Um, I'm found on most podcast platforms. I'm spelled O-F-F-C-I-E-S-P-O-R-T. Uh, thank you again. I will see you guys again on Friday to preview the non-conference game for basketball against Detroit Mercy. Until then, thank you, and go Cats! Thank <laughs> you.